Hello, Internet. Welcome back to the Boss Travel Lounge. You're listening to episode 58. My name is Patrick, and I'm joined by Seth. <laughs> Say hi, everyone. Patrick. Oh, fuck. Okay, you bet me to the punch. Yes. We, <laughs> this we is why you don't tell me about your jokes beforehand. Yeah, I, I was so proud of it, too. It was like writing a note between between classmates, and I scribbled it on a piece of, on a piece of paper and like, uh, like hurriedly pushed it over to Seth's desk. And then the microphones came in hot, and it, it's like being called up by the teachers to tell everyone what's on the notes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And unfortunately, the, the note said that the teacher's hot, but instead of saying the teacher's hot, it said, uh, make a joke about how we are the last of us. Um, because Josh and Steve uh, are, are, not, are not with us, uh, died to the cordyceps virus, which actually tracks. I think they'd be the first to go. Yeah, yeah, especially Steven and all his cat problems. They'd, they'd bring it in on their fur. See, the thing is, I'm not even sure that there would be, like, cat problems killed by the cordyceps virus. I think, I think Steve just wouldn't survive. He'd, he'd like, he'd, it'd either be, like a, like, a starvation thing, or just a, he just declines in quality of life so heavily that he just loses the will to live. I think he just sees the cat piss on the carpet, and he turns around, sees everyone dying of the cordyceps, and goes, <laughs> You know what? That sounds better than dealing with the cat right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... Speaking of the joke that kicked that off, uh, we're deciding in the, um, uh, well, basically, uh, we realized about a couple hours ago that chances are good that it would be the two of us, the last of us, on this episode. And so naturally we had to think, uh, Seth, are there any other pink shiny sprite Pokemon that we could tier list? Uh, to, to which he disappointingly said, no, we have to think of actual content. Yeah, no, we kind of blew through our load on that last one. <laughs> Excellent choice of words. Yeah. Yes, we did. Um, and in case anyone's keeping track at home, you might be wondering, why is it always Pat and Seth that are doing the two-person episode? Uh, that's because if Seth wasn't one of the two, it wouldn't get edited and it wouldn't get uploaded. <laughs> yep. I, I put out the hits that if I'm not on an episode, it's not getting edited. And everyone's like, well, if Seth's not here, there's no episode. And, and, the, and the, the funny slash sad part of that is that we currently have a track record of that being the case because Josh was the one in charge of the original spoiler cast episode, which is now lost to the void. Uh, anyway, uh, no round the lunch for this week because we will only be chatting Last of Us. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, we are like pretty much every um, pop culture media news outlet thing talking about Last of Us and how good it is, particularly after the HBO show, which is currently ongoing. Uh, as of this recording, episode three is out, and I think episode four is due out maybe like later tonight or tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Because it comes out on Sundays, I think. Sundays in America. So uh, Yeah, so it'd be tomorrow. Yeah. It'd be, it's like 1 p.m. Monday over here. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, so we've had the three episodes so far. So uh, I, I guess this would take this as a, a rather large spoiler warning, both for The Last of Us Part 1, the game, uh, the Last of Us Part One remastered, The Last of Us Part One remade, um, The Last of Us Part One PC port, which we'll talk about and how it might have been delayed, as well as uh, The Last of Us, the HBO show. So if you care about spoilers for any of those, uh, consider this your spoiler warning. Um, isn't it sad that that's like four games? <laughs> four games counted, in a TV show. Yeah, I counted three games in a TV show, but if you want to go with four, I'll let you have that. Uh, I mean, who, who's to say? Who's to say? Um, uh, hell, oh, wait, no, you, no, you because you're counting the, you, you counted the PS5 version and the PC version separate, so yeah, that is yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. And you know what, let's, let's, add, let's add part two spoilers to, to the spoiler alert as well. We might be talking about that, who knows, we might get crazy. Um, you know, the world has ended. <laughs> what do we have to live for? And alternatively, what do we have to lose? 
Um, so uh, I think you had a few points you wanted to hit. So why don't we why, why don't we just go through because you, you had more of a, a direction that you wanted to take this thing. So I guess just give us one of those starting points and we'll just and we'll just see how the discussion flows, shall we? Holy shit, you put me on the spot because no, actually there's like two main things I had listed of things that are so start with points. one of them. <laughs> um, I guess we can talk about how good the casting choice is for the show because holy shit, Pedro Pascal is doing a really good job as Joel and very true. Neil Offerman, I think his name is, yep. or is it Nick Offerman? Uh, Nick. Nick, yeah, he was cast as Bill for episode three. He fucking hit it out of the park for the role he was given. And I don't have the other actor and actresses' names on hand, but everyone's doing a really good job on this show. Uh, just just to give them credit, might as well. Um, let me just Google this real quickly in the in the background. Uh, just just to give credit where credit is due. Um, you're looking at Bella Ramsey as uh, Ellie, Anna Torv as uh, Tess, and uh, Nico Parker as Sarah. Yeah, Nico did really good in uh, doing Sarah because they fully redid the um, scope of the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the story where it's uh, Sarah's uh, um, going around on Joel's birthday, getting his watch ready, um, just kind of living her life a little bit before the uh, the entire virus takes over. Mm. And oh, she, should, she should also point out uh, Murray Murray Bartlett uh, for Frank for Bill and Frank. There we yes. go. Full full and- cast covered. Uh, Gabriel Luna as Tommy. Yeah, but he's okay, fine. But he's been, I was thinking more in terms of like screen time. He's been in screen time for all of like five minutes. Yeah, not even that. <laughs> like two, yeah. two scenes, I think. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah, they fully, um, redid the beginning to like pace it out better for a TV show. And I think they did really good on it, like characterizing Sarah more than we got in the game. I could get to see like how she views it, her relationship with Joel. And just kind of her neighbor situation, and how like how good of a kid she was. Mm. It's uh, it's unfortunate that Josh isn't here, but uh, he he mentioned uh, since recording the last episode that he was still thrown by the um th- uh, three three nails plus one cross equals forgiveness from the neighbor. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> that was a, such a still such weird, a banger line. Good line. Uh. Yeah, I brought it up last week when we, when we briefly talked about uh, my thoughts on the couple episodes that have been out at that point. But yeah, still still such a great line to me. Still don't really know why. Very novel. Um, I don't yeah, even I, know where that came from. Was that original for the show or was that um, something? Did, did you find out if that was actually something people say? Uh, I would absolutely believe it's something that people say. I'm almost certain that it's not part of the show, but I'm just not in that sort of community that I hear any religious language really day to day. but. Uh, yeah, I, they're, they're, I don't remember it coming up in the show. Um, speaking of that, actually, it's cool that, uh, yes, a lot of the pieces are kind of one-for-one one mirrored between the game and the series, but every so often, um, they will just deliver a line kind of bar for bar like the game. And I don't know, I don't think it's because I've gone back and seen, um, I ended up watching part of... Uh, Nolan North and um, Joel's actor Troy Troy Barker. Um, Troy Baker, Baker, yeah. Baker, yeah, Troy Baker. Uh, them them playing Last of Us Part One uh, like a year ago or so. It's a great YouTube series. Highly recommend anyone uh, anyone that's interested to watch it. But uh, I don't think it's because I saw that a year ago. But uh, I just recognize particular lines that are delivered. Yeah, of, no, like, no, I, I, I had the that. same thing. I've 
played the last time I played The Last of Us was ten years ago when the game came out, and there's still lines that they say that's just like that is one for one with what's in the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, I, I agree in terms of the pacing of, of uh, seeing more of kind of Sarah's life before everything went to shit. Uh, I don't remember who it was that was watching it, but uh, one of the common uh, things that people talked about, at least online when reviewing the first episode, is that uh, a lot of people thought Sarah would be the main character for the show. Oh, yeah. I, I can R- see R- how R- that... R- I can see how that goes, because yeah. uh, you're following her for like... 40 minutes of the one hour episode. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's cool. I, um, I don't have a huge amount of memory of 2003, but, uh, I would believe what they filmed was 2003, which I don't know. Especially that brick phone. Yeah. I I think, I think it's, it's interesting, right? Cause it's like, I, if I was looking back on, I guess you could call them all a period piece if they're not set in kind of current time. But like, I think nineties is quite, I, I, I consider the kind of Friends era where it's sort of mid-90s to mid-2000s as you can kind of, you, you, can, you can see, or like at least that influences what I think of when I think of what did the 90s look like, what did the 2000s look like. And it's weird because 2000s crosses into the, I was alive during that time. I should have more of a, like more of an understanding of what culture and uh, like the kind of day-to-day life of being in the 2000s was like. But yeah, I, don't. <laughs> I, I I have a pretty good memory of what it was like pre two thousand and ten, and it's it's pretty much one for one. Mm-hmm. Hold on, there was something that you were mentioning I wanted to touch on. Right, right. So the time period, because I think that um the Last of Us game twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. It um the the day it starts off twenty twelve, and then it does a twenty year time skip. So yes, um you go into twenty thirty two, but the TV show started in 2003, so that 20-year time skip would line up with this year. Mm. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I mean, as I said uh, in the last episode, I think that was a great choice because it means that they could just use uh, footage for Boston, just straight, like, 2023 Boston matches 2023 and the Apocalypse Boston. <laughs> right, yeah, I remember that. I remember that line and being like, oh, yeah, it's, um, Boston just kind of a shithole, right? <laughs> It's actually not. It's a very beautiful city, but it's just it's just funny um, seeing Boston 2023 in like a timestamp and it's like completely destroyed. Yeah. Um, I I think it's smart because the um, yeah, I I think the difficulty is that uh, there are things in the game like the scanners. Sorry, there are things in the show like the scanners. The scanners were never part of the game that I remember. Ah, uh, they were, but, like, for one scene. Okay, okay, as, it's, as long it's as it's for one scene. It's literally just for when they find out that Ellie is infected. Right. Um, I, I think it's much... I think when you say that the starting point of this is 2003, and then you jump it 20 years forward, you're automatically... Uh, if... What's the best way of describing this? If, um... Uh... Actually, what is the age rating for the game before I say before I say something possibly self-incriminating? <laughs> I think the age rating over here was fifteen plus. I think that's what ours or our, our near near was as well. It, it was either M or R sixteen. I don't quite remember. Um, which, of course, I was of legal age when I played when it came out. Of course, but uh, what what I where I wanted to go with that point is that uh, younger people 
I don't know what the age... It would be interesting to know what the age demographic is that is currently watching HBO, but I okay, think it, they... Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but it was yeah. 18 plus here. I'm pretty sure I was old enough to play that game when it came out. <laughs> would have gotten a bit closer, though. Um, actually, if it was R18 in New Zealand, I definitely wouldn't have been. Oops. You wouldn't have because yeah, I, I was just yeah. turning 18 that year. Just did the math, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, uh, it'd be interesting to know the, the broader... Um, the, the demographics that are watching the show. But I feel like if you start a show and do a 20 year time skip into the future from now, younger audiences are probably fine and on board with that because a lot of media already plays in that kind of area. But I think you raise the, the mass appeal of what the show could be if you start it uh, in kind of like a common grounding point of, of the mid 2000s. In other words, I, I think it was a smart choice, both because um, it, it increases what I perceive to be the mass appeal of it. And also, uh, I feel like the optics on saying a pandemic happens in 2023, probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little bit of PTSD for a lot of people watching that otherwise. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said it this year if it, it was like to be the case. I've, so going backwards, it's smart. I was just thinking, did it really need to change off happening in 2012, 2013? But because there is a bit of a difference in that like 10 year time period. Hmm. But honestly, I don't think it make like visually, it doesn't make that much of a difference besides Joel's phone. I like the idea that if it was set in 2012, you get a tweet storm of people going, is it really a zombie apocalypse happening? Oh yeah, no, we would have had like, Probably a scene of Twitter exploding about the news of um the cordyceps virus spreading. Mm. With uh, of course all of the the fake news and propaganda attached to it. Um, yeah. Uh, what where, where where did you want to go next? I feel like we we're hammer we're hammering quite hard into the first forty minutes of a three episode show. Well, since we're on D Day, do you want to go to that other part where they go they jumped to Malaysia? I think. Uh, no, Jakarta, Indonesia. Yes, Indonesia. So, um, where they, they're like, this is where the origin point of the, the, um, cordyceps virus started. Because I thought that was really interesting to do like a small, what was it, 10, 20 minute section about how that happened. I, I I thought it was just a 10 minute cold open. (laughs) Yeah, it felt like it. (laughs) And the, and the, the weirdest, the, the reason why I'm chuckling at myself while saying that is because. I don't know how, um, yeah, I, I like the precedent it sets when it does a little bit of kind of before D-Day, after D-Day uh, intermingled because so um, uh, popular things that I like, uh, like, po- sorry, popular like genre films that I like, uh, I really like Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later. Um, and the most interesting Part of that for me is that, yes, you have the aftermath, but it's also piecing together how it all fell apart. So I, I really like the kind of exploration of D-Day or the exploration of the outbreak and how the outbreak spreads. Like um, Contagion is an interesting film in the same sort of way, because that um, even World War Z as well, actually, where they kind of go through what D-Day was is really interesting to me. Um, so I, I also really liked the, the jump to Indonesia. and. Weirdly, I, I feel like the, um, I feel like the, the impact of 
the actress, so the 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 doctor in that little uh, short, almost. Yes. The, yes. the impact of what she was saying in terms of there is no vaccine, there is no cure, bomb the city with me. Yeah, in they it. they really hammered in on that for the first two episodes that if cordyceps or a similar type of fungus were to grow and take over humans, then we're kind of screwed because we don't have a vaccine for that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think her words carried more power because they weren't in English. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think because the first episode, he's speaking purely in hypotheticals. While in the second episode with that cold open, they just go straight into no, this is happening. Oh, that's we a can't good point. do anything yeah. about it, and we need to bomb this place so that it doesn't spread. Yeah, and uh, then, that's, that's and a then good you point. cut to and then you cut to after, and it's like, well, if they had bombed, if they did bomb the place, it didn't work. So her sacrifice was in vain. Well, okay, yeah, nice, uh, sad open at the end of the sad short, but yeah, yeah. true. Um. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's good. Uh, looking to the future, we didn't get that in episode three. Do you think we'll get more? Do you think we'll get another uh, 2003-esque short in a future episode of season one? I don't know. I feel like... I think we will. I think we'll just start seeing more of the spread, like the impact of day zero, basically. Um. Because we've seen we've seen the hypothetical of the '60s, the beginning of the spread on day zero, and in episode three we see someone going from day zero to how they started surviving because of their planning ahead. <laughs> um, so yeah, I can see I guess like that's true. Yeah. I can see the fu- another episode in the future going. No, here's what like here's what it looks like for someone that's surviving now, but mm. wasn't in their own gated safe place like they had to actually survive people going around and turning all around them which might be a good place to bring in henry's backstory now that i'm thinking about it i was actually just thinking the same thing henry and sam would be would be a spot to do that yeah i think sam is still underage as well so it'd just be henry wouldn't it sam was born after the apocalypse happens the brothers though aren't they they are but i think sam was um sam's under under 20 and Henry is over twenty. Hmm. I'm 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 sure Sam is over twenty, but um. Uh. Oh, sorry. The the older one. Uh. Henry's the older yeah, one. I yeah. Think, Hen- yeah. Henry's over twenty. He. I think it was. I think he's supposed to be like four or five or six when the outbreak happens. Yeah. So I guess that that's that's the bit that I'm uh that I'm not sure would make for super interesting watching of as a child. Yeah, you know, but there's also um there's also uh. The Mandalorian, another Pedro Pascal show. <laughs> Man's um, literally where, everywhere. Um, they they don't really show it, but uh, we see um as a child he gets to put somewhere safe, and then the Mandalores um come and help him out afterwards, like after his planet's been invaded, and that's how he joins them. We right. might see we might see like a scene similar to that with um Henry. Entirely possible. Uh, I just had a random thought. Do you ever think that maybe there is a version of Cordyceps, but it's just Pedro Pascal media and we're slowly <laughs> becoming infected? I, I think he's just becoming like the live action version of Troy Baker, where Troy Baker and um, Nolan North and everything. Hmm. It's definitely cyclic. Like you, you look back on, on 
um, like one of my favorite actresses is Jessica Chastain. And for like a five or six year block, she was just in everything. And it's great, but it, it is cyclic. And I don't think I've seen a name attached to anything recently for a while. Um, yeah, uh, no, good call. I, I, uh, I reckon we will also revisit it. I think the Henry one is, is a good call. I was also thinking David possibly. Because David is such a deranged character in yes. what I guess would now be 2023. Um, more deranged than, than, you know, most people in 2023. But to see, to see him kind of before the fall, um, hopefully in a way that isn't just like Handsome Jack, where it's like, look how, look how normal and down to earth he is while also still being absolutely psychotic day to day. Uh, the Handsome Jack thing just annoys me because... Um, uh, they obviously the whole point of the pre-sequel was trying to do the like nice look how normal and well-adjusted he was before he went mad but while he was normal and well-adjusted he still had his daughter chained in a basement and everyone just kind of forgot about that yeah it's normal and well-adjusted on the outside but on the inside you he's still fucked yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still doing something incredibly dark and it's just, it hasn't come out yet. And, and that, that, that's what I'm thinking with, um, with Hen- uh, not Henry. Um, David. Thank you. <laughs> Nolan say, North's character. No, no, I was just about to say that. That's what I was thinking with Nolan North specifically. <laughs> you just see him in a voice acting booth back in 2003 and then it cuts to 2023. He's fucking eating people. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I Troy reckon- Baker was just locked in his basement in 2003. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I reckon there are a couple of characters they could do it with, and I kind of hope that they do because I'm enjoying the the before and after, <laughs> the, yeah. the drastic weight loss change. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, moving. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch on with the first part of this? Um, like uh no, my mind's immediately going to wanting to talk about the changes to the the zombies, for lack of better word, infected. Yeah. Because um, in that Indonesia scene, we actually see, like, they cut people open and we see, um like, just a fungus growing inside them. And that's, like, a really creepy image. It's kind of like they're, um, it's almost like they're taxidermy dolls with mm. now. And the whole change from spores to tentacles is... A weird thing. Um, okay, it, this this, it, this color like call, call me crazy here. I actually prefer the change. I don't, and that's because they feel more Resident Evil now than The Last of Us to me. Ah, but you see, the Resident Evil Resident Evil was a shit film, so <laughs> it yes, <laughs> but so also just like in general, Resident Evil media, like um, of the, the games and the movies and stuff. It's just like. They remind me more of a Resident Evil creature than what was The Last of Us. The Last of Us was very unique in that they were spores, their heads grew like mushrooms out of them. And yeah, it's just a weird change to me, personally. And also, just just to put it on the record, that scene where Tess gets kissed by one of them and the tentacles are coming out of its mouth, really did not need to see that at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that that yeah. just, that sent chills down my spine. I. Ugh, grossed me out. That that scene, <laughs> it, that's that that scene frustrated me, but not it's for enough the, that. <laughs> but not, it's not enough for the that, reason you think. <laughs> yeah, it's enough that she's infected. I didn't need a zombie to come up to her and kiss her while putting its spore tentacles down her throat. Right, all of that, 
absolutely fair. It was also, I mean, that just builds into the horror trope. Fair, fair play to it. Um, let, let's, just, let's just take a quick trip down memory lane to me talking about Need for Speed Unbound uh, last week, um, where I really hate things that treat things differently when in all other universes they wouldn't. And actually, this goes back to the Stranger, this goes back to Stranger Things, where uh, I don't remember any of the characters' names anymore, but where the main, the main one in season four just had plot armor because every other time, Someone got killed quickly, and then she just got to like run, run around in the in the parallel dimension, uh, seemingly unkillable. Anyway, uh, the test thing annoyed me. Not even for all the horror tropey stuff, but uh, specifically because the zombies treated her differently because she was like bitten slash infected, right? Yeah, and she hadn't turned yet, so she's still technically human. But like somehow that zombie knows she's turning and exactly. decides a kiss is the best thing to do right exactly. now. Exactly, because then then we go to Ellie, who finds the zombie trapped in the floor of the gas station in episode three. And, oh, I think it's three. Pretty sure it's three. Where that zombie starts freaking out because there is a human uh, nearby. So it's just like, pick, it's, to me, it's just, it's, it's an in-universe inconsistency. And I hate being that guy about it, but it's just, Oh, it's annoying because because yeah. you, you know that if it was anyone other than Tess standing there, that wouldn't have happened. That whole like thing wouldn't have happened. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, it's just a like put, putting the grossness of the tentacle thing aside. It's like, yeah, just the zombie going to her and giving a kiss in general is just really, really stupid. Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. Um, the, okay, let, let's, let's chat the, the tentacle versus, uh, spore thing. I like the tentacles. Uh, how many pictures of, actually, that's going to get taken out of context. Don't cut that. Um, <laughs> don't crop that rather. Cut that, cut that picture, Seth. Um, I don't know how many images of cordyceps infected insects you've seen, Seth. I, I saw a few around the time the first game was announced and I saw like, those uh, nature documentary videos that were spreading all uh, at the time as well, hmm. like that that specific like the cordyceps ants like going up uh, like a leaf or something or a blade of grass so that it can stay there and spread the spores down to other ants. Yeah. That like clip that they showed in promotional material. I saw the actual nature documentary clip of that as well. Yeah, because the um. A lot of the infected creatures do look more like they have tentacles coming out of them than spores. And obviously, it's kind of hard to see spores coming out of something. But uh, in the places where they talk about how there are these kind of tendrils and it's all one big mind and all that sort of thing, I think it would be really hard to get the same impact as the game if they wanted to actually try and use spores in the kind of like in the... um, uh, interior environments where there have been infected that have, you know, just been pumping spores out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a weird thing because it's like they went to tentacle routes where I think like if they, if they were trying to base it more visually, um, like what the ants and stuff looked like, it should look like kind of like mushrooms coming out of them, like what the clickers have on their faces, but it'd be more like, all over the place and thinner, like kind of like little the little tentacles that they have inside them, just all over their body with like a mushroom head sort of thing. Man's out here actually just describing Toad. 
Yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a version of the, um, episode two where instead of the clicker slowly approaching, it's just Toad. Uh, it's just got a high pitched voice going as well the entire yeah, yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, like click clicking it, clicking in the high pitched Toad voice. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, okay, why, why don't we move into the clickers? Because I think we both agree the design of clickers in the show is excellent. Yes, they're fantastic. Ah, oh, God. Um, they're as stressful watching them on TV as they are going against them in the game. The first time you go against them in the game anyway. Hmm. I, uh, I really like... <laughs> in a couple of the shots, not necessarily the clicker ones, but in a couple of the shots with Infected, do you think that they have sped up the footage of the zombies doing quick jerky movements? Um... Because I can't I, say if I noticed. I because I'm I'm thinking of things like when uh, Joel and Sarah are just leaving the wreck of the car back in episode one, and there's all the zombies feeding on the humans on the ground, and then one of them looks up, and it just <laughs> yeah, feels that one did look slightly a bit too quick. Yeah, yeah, and I think the jerky motion is is perfect for selling what the scene is. But I noticed that in a couple of places, and I think it's sped up just 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 a little bit, just to make it a little bit faster and a little bit le- um, less stable. But the fact that I don't think they adjusted the speed of anything to do with filming the clickers is just a nice kind of stylistic. I don't know. This is like my little director's beret on. Like it's nice that there's a there's the, the, there's a difference in there. Uh, I also I also like that the um, uh, makeup and prosthetics, and I'm assuming uh, a chunk of it sort of uh, highlighted in little bits of VFX here and there as well. But uh, there's always the risk where if you show the monster that it just looks too, let's just say it, too bad <laughs> to yeah. be on TV. Too and then fake. it just, yeah, and it just loses it. Um, what was it? Uh, uh, Bird Box. Bird Box went through that. Did you hear about the story of Bird Box, actually? Yes, yes, I did. Um, is Angelina Jolie that plays the main character? Or no? Uh, no, no, Sandra Bullock, I think. Sandra Bullock, that's the one. Um, they, they had to get rid of the monster because every time Sandra Bullock actually saw the monster, she just couldn't stop laughing at it. Yeah, exactly. And I can't imagine being on set would have been fun if there was a clicker getting into character nearby. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, big, big props to the clicker. Um, I'm pretty sure, and this is me not having played the game in ages, the first clickers we see are in a graveyard by, uh, like on the way to, to Bill's house. Is that right? No, they're- it's roughly the same spot. Is it? But, I, I um, thought clickers were after test died rather than before. No, they're before, but I think they're in that- you, so you know that beginning section where they're climbing up that hotel to get a look for, at Boston? Yeah. I believe the first time you see clickers is in that area. Ah, okay. So because that, they're going up that, like, ho- broken down hotel- is like one of the first big level sections, and they put some clickers in there. Hmm. My my uh, traumatic repressed memories of playing part one tell me that clickers were mostly in the graveyard by Bill's place, and goddamn, did they remind me that they were there? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, what I was gonna ask was uh, actually yeah, because they weren't there, it's kind of a moot point. But I was gonna <laughs> if if they if they were there after Tess's death rather than before. Um, how did you feel about Tess getting infected via the clicker attack versus, uh, I don't think it was a clicker attack in the game though, right? It was just, she just got infected. 
I think it might have been. God I think the it. clicker. <laughs> I think the clicker attack happens in that same spot as well, but there's just another clicker scenario that happens beforehand. All right. Note to future so, us: I should just play the fucking game before I try talking about the difference between <laughs> that and the HBO show. Because fuck, I'm zero for two. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure that um the uh there's clickers in that hotel as well, and that's where it's implied she gets um infected. Well, I guess I'll just go fuck myself. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, I, I, uh, I like the slight tangent, but in the same area. I like the direction of, um, uh, I don't remember who it was that asked this last week. Someone asking, is Ellie a believable age for how she plays in HBO? And I think Right, having, that was Josh, yeah. Yeah, of course it was. Um... <laughs> He, he was too worried that she wasn't attractive enough for her age. <laughs> I thought about bringing that joke up a second time and you beat me to the punch. Um, <laughs> God. Uh, wait, we should probably put the disclaimer on that. If you agreed with that statement, seek help. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all I'll say. Jesus Christ. Turn, um, turn off this podcast. You're not welcome here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, Seth, I got bad news. The audience question for this week. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, wait, um, wait. Is it about Ellie's age or is it about Sarah's race swap? Because both of those are bad to get as questions. Actually, you know what? I think we might alienate all the viewers. <laughs> um, no, oh, I, no, it's I, about the Bill and Frank episode. <laughs> is there anything sacred left in Last of Us for, uh, for, <laughs> for those on the Christian right? Um, At least Ellie is still straight. <laughs> for now. Um, I, uh, I did appreciate that in the hotel section that she did just kind of randomly walk over and just start role-playing being in a hotel. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really fun. Um, kind, kind of raises the question of, where did she learn about that? Well, I mean, as, as, she, as she told Joel, there, there have been books. Oh, right. They're, they're, yeah, she's not completely lost to the world before the infection. No, but it's just, it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's one of those, so many things that you take for granted, which I'm sure Joel does or did, that yeah, having Ellie kind of re-experience it for the first time is cool. It's also another small thing, but I appreciate they kept the line about um, hotels being too pricey for Joel's blood. <laughs> and then you think about that a bit harder and you're like actually house prices in 2003 were pretty good <laughs> yes <laughs> cost, cost of living was actually doing pretty well pre pre pre, um, pre 2007 yeah yeah it was <laughs> um good time to get into the housing market <laughs> actually do you think he owned that house he was living in because he, he seems to be... He oh my seems god, to be... And, he, and he was so willing to abandon it too. That could, yeah, he, he, he must have had that paid off. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just thinking like, um, he's not doing it... He's doing it rough in the terms of work, but he seems to be working a lot to get decent money for his daughter. Yeah, and you just know if that, if, if that meant... Uh, if the um, cordyceps breakout had happened, like, this year, that everyone abandoning their houses would suddenly become an Airbnb rental for the infected. It would. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I reckon, I reckon that is his house. Uh, and I think you're right about 
uh, how much he's working and, and putting away and stuff. But of course, you know, back in his day, <laughs> back in his day, it was possible to do that. Whereas fucking nowadays you need to be in a relationship just to transactionally decrease your rent by half. You need to be in a relationship just to afford rent. Yeah, exactly. Um, where are we going to go after that? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, for, for all the shit that I give Boston in the year 2023, I, I do also think that the um, scenes, the, the, wow, they're all scenes, Patrick. Come on, use, you use the actual words. Shots. The, the what? Shots. Yeah, is that the like, one you were looking for? Yeah, but like particularly the kind of like wide establishing shots of Boston post-pandemic. I think the the VFX, it's very clearly VFXed in just because of like you can't do that practically. But I don't think it's so outlandishly done that you notice. Like it still feels like they belong in that world and that it's not just like a green screen that they're walking around on. I feel like there's a couple, it's very, very minimal, but there's a couple of shots where things just look a little fake. Hmm. Like you can kind of tell that there's a green screen or something, or like there's something comped in, but it's it's very rare that it happens and they do a pretty good job of hiding it. Hmm. Uh, I, I imagine the production designers would have had a field day just making, like making it look run down. Yeah. In all of the uh, internal areas. Um, yeah, uh, what, what was the next point you wanted to hit? Um, so I actually want to talk about the hive mind thing because we, we kind of talked about the tentacles, but we didn't get into the whole hive mind aspect of it. How do you feel about that? The step on a tentacle and every zombie knows where you are? Yeah. I... <laughs> Again, this is the like uh, sort of anal not my universe sort of hat on but that just says that humanity is so past the point of fucked because eventually everything will be tentacles yeah yeah so uh it was it was kind of cool in that we did see a couple shots of joel stepping on like effectively dead tendrils that you know they just yeah completely dried out yeah yeah so there is some uh I, I guess uh, in my head, when, when I heard them discuss that, I was thinking, oh, great, it's like Zerg creep. Where it's just, it just persists forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the change, I think that change makes it, makes it interesting to watch. But I worry that having, like, that, having access to that means in the writer's room, if you just need something to happen, you can just have someone accidentally step on a tentacle. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about because it feels like kind kind of needless added tension. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The because originally it's just like, well, if you make a noise and one thing hears you, it's gonna dash over and attract the attention of everything else. You don't need like this. Don't step on this button, or all of them just come rushing at you. Thing. Hit hit snooze on the alarm, hit snooze on the alarm. (laughs) (laughs) And it also kind of changes the um, the, um, whole scene where Tess dies because in the game it's Fedra soldiers that show up there and take her out and you can't, uh, Joel and Ellie have to escape them. But in the game they make it and said, oops, someone stepped on a tentacle, the zombies are coming. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, That moment. Although... Um, yeah, 100% agree. 
the the one point in the other column though the one point for the hive mind being a thing and it being really awesome i loved that shot of the sunbeam intersecting with where all the zombies were lying and seeing them all just wanting to kind of move out of the direct sunlight as it rolled across yeah that was a pretty good shot so yeah pros and cons i think i think the hive mind thing is makes it for interesting watching but yeah it does feel very like it for every one of them that you kill I mean, <laughs> yeah, it just kind of feels like, besides it stepping on the tentacle aspect, it just kind of feels like a, a reason to make a zombie horde come after them. Yeah. Like, if one zombie knows where you are, then they're all going to know and they're all going to intervene there. And that's, that feels like fake tension to me. And, and that's why when uh, Ellie was sitting there looking at the one just screaming in the ground. I was half expecting that to attract a horde, not even from the sound, but just because of the kind of all interconnected hive mind bit. Yeah. And so when that didn't generate a random zombie horde that smashed through and killed them both and ended the show at, at episode three. Um, what do you was... mean? The, the, they, they completely changed the plot to get, get away from that uh, um, zombie horde. They, they couldn't show you them going through a horde that size, so they had to cut away to a different storyline. <laughs> to, to, to a gay love storyline. <laughs> to distract you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it, it's... Th th this is why I say it's... I, I like, intern I like uh, universal consistency. And yeah. stepping on a tentacle, being part of a hive mind, fine. But then if there's one screaming its head off in, in the basement of a gas station and nothing happens when it does that... It feels inconsistent, and it doesn't take me out of it. It just makes me think something could happen, and it w and and it might not, and that's annoying because it feels like, um, it's done intentionally to fuck with me rather than because that's the like best thing for the show. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I um, okay. So in a similar vein to the hive mind thing, uh. One thing that I am 99% sure of, hopefully I'm not zero for three on this one, is the first bloater that you fight in the school gym in the sequence with Bill. Yes, and that was another thing I was going to bring up about the zombies. They seem to apply that bloaters do not exist in the HBO series. I... Hmm. There, there's a line where Ellie's talking about, uh, like, different zombie variants. And she's like, there's one that can chuck things at you and um, it, like, released spores or gas. And they're like, no, nothing like that exists. And then she's like, oh, what about these ones that can't see, but they, um, they have mushrooms growing out of their heads so they can't see and they just move around clicking and they stay silent on that one. Like, oh, okay, so that one exists. I... Okay, it's interesting that you, that you interpreted that in a different way to me. I interpreted that as the um, Tess and Joel run this particular smuggling line enough that they just haven't seen a bloater. And there are just rumors of them that like, now nah, they don't exist. They're, they're just rumors. But we're going to hit one and it's going to wake up Joel to its existence and Ellie to it. And it's going to be this big sort of surprise reveal. That's how I interpreted it. The that clickers, could happen. But the, yeah, the, my the interpretation is like they're just going... No, that doesn't exist in this universe. <laughs> Ellie asks, Pedro Pascal drops the accent, looks directly at the camera and goes, no, Ellie, there are no bloaters in The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, think, I think the clickers are more likely to exist just because the on the infected scale, 
the like the infected turn into clickers. I guess they're technically runners in the game. The runners turn into clickers with enough time that uh I mean you know, like um at, at year zero, uh there would only be runners, right? So clickers would have only started showing up a couple of years after D Day. And so bloaters could only if they were gonna show up, show up um after that. And I I actually now that I think about I, it a bit more, that they they have mentioned how you know like this one's done. This one has run its effective, um, in, infective. Uh, I don't know what the right word there is. This one is no longer able to infect other things. It has been exhausted as a host and it's just dead, like strapped to yeah. a wall or whatever. Which yeah, I guess it's we, just a dried out husk on a wall. Yeah, which I guess we have seen in games as well. But yeah, I, I suspect we're going to see a, another um, enemy type. If it's not a bloater, it'll be some specific to the HBO series thing, but I don't think clickers are the final boss of, of the infected. So we've jumped right from runners to clickers, but we haven't seen the stalkers yet, which were like the middle ground of runner and uh, um, clicker, where they've got the mushrooms cr- coming out of their head, but they can still see. So they're still like more infected than the runners are and more dangerous and stronger. It sounds stupid. With I feel like they were more of a part Two thing. I'm looking at some arts from The Last of Us Part 1, like, in the first stage where you're going through the, um, the Fedra base as yeah. Joel, there's, um, they have a flyer on the wall, and it's like, here's the different stages of infection. We have runners, we have stalkers, we have clickers, and then we have something and the page is ripped off, and that's supposed to be where the bloater is. I'll, um, I'll send you the picture. I'll put it up on the screen as well, just for people to see, but yeah, here's Here's what it's like once it sends. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, that tracks. I uh, think the ones from part two seem to be Shamblers and- That's the one I was thinking of, Shambler. Yeah, Shamblers and Rat King. Oh my god, I forgot about Rat King. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, yeah, god. Even the, even the flyer artwork, 10 out of 10. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, jumping back quite a bit. Back to episode one, uh, the little girl arriving in Boston. Uh, it took me longer than it should have to realize because I knew that they were scanning, but I didn't know if the green was. Uh, I, <laughs> it's so stupid. The, the the green versus red. I didn't know what the difference was in terms of if she's infected or not. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Because I can see it being both ways, right? Like yeah, all of red, the, red means red means negative, green means positive. Yeah, or alternatively, uh, because all of the explosions in Sarah's section were green explosions rather than the kind of fiery propane out the sewer tank type thing in the game. Um, green, I was I I half had an association with green being that as well. Yeah. So, uh. Uh, sorry, it's just because when, when you sent me the flyer on the wall, I was thinking how they showed bits of flyers in the little medical facility where the girl first showed up to. And so um, they're like, we're going to give you some medicine and then you can play with all the toys and things. It's like, oh, you know, they're, they're trying to keep humanity alive or whatever. And a body's getting unloaded on the truck. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> I, I'm surprised. It, I'm surprised that caught you because I thought by the time she's like talking to the kids, you would have at least picked it up. I'm like, Oh, they're just killing this kid. They're euthanizing them and just like trying to make them happy before they die. Well, 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 glass half full kind of guy, huh? 
Well, actually, no, you'd be the glass half empty, but I guess I'm trying to be the glass half full guy. Um, I wonder if there was someone who was like, oh my god, they killed Ellie. <laughs> oh man, if, yeah, if someone, I could see that happening as well, like, it's just this little kid's, um, coming up and it's like, is that supposed to be Ellie? They're, yeah, yeah. they're kind of dehydrated and doing <laughs> pretty rough there. And they're like, how'd you get the bite? And they're like, oh my god, it is Ellie. <laughs> And then, and then Joel gets to carry Ellie, and they're like, I think I remember this from the game. <laughs> and then plays oh, so lovingly into the- in, her. No, yeah, this yeah. is completely different. In, into the funeral pie as she goes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, sorry, the, the flyer thing just reminded me of that. Um, yeah, so, so you don't think there's going to be a, a heavier enemy archetype, other than perhaps Stalker? I don't think so. I, I, my, my read on that line was uh, that bloaters don't exist. If they do- I'll be very happy to be wrong because I really do like the bloaters and they, they're just a wall that you have to get around rather than get through. And I'd love to see how the TV show handles that. <laughs> giant, giant tentacle monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yes. Yep. Yep. Just giant tentacle monster. Hmm. Uh, why don't we talk about how, uh, I, I guess, is there anything else in episode two that you want to, that you want to hit? Cause otherwise I want to get into episode three a little bit. I think I hit everything for episode two. Cool. Might actually just try and mark this. I, I don't know where... I, I don't think we've really been doing episode by episode, but... We haven't, but I feel like we've exhausted episode one and two at this point. Yeah, so I'll just and mark that as a time it, anyway. It's just kind of time to get to that topic. That topic. Okay, so how do we feel about the gays? <laughs> I, for one, do not care for them. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Thanks for listening, I, everyone. This will be the last episode of The Last of Us. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm joking. I didn't have a problem with it. My, I'm mixed on this episode, and it's not for the reasons that people are <laughs> harping on online. It's because you really don't like the gays, huh? <laughs> it, it's just, I, I just felt really uncomfortable. Yeah, just, two, two men kissing, not in my neighborhood. <laughs> they, it, it, it's, it was that they were too burly. They weren't fanboys. <laughs> One of them wasn't wearing cat ears. It took me totally out of it. <laughs> Look, they, they both need to be as thin as dicks, twinks. <laughs> One needed a collar. <laughs> oh, that's a very different episode three. <laughs> All right. Think about the edit of, of episode three where it's Ron Swanson. That's what we got. He, he, was, just, he was just more prepper than Ron Swanson. No, no, but and I feel like, like Ron Swanson might be a prepper. Oh, no, he's absolutely a prepper. <laughs> it's just I... Bill is hard confirmed a prepper. <laughs> Well, I mean, um, uh, Ron canonically in the show has a go bag in an air, in an air duct for when his ex-wife rolls back into town. Like that's his, a different his... kind of prepping. True, but his ex-wife shows up. He says, "Leslie, I have I have thirty days or something of paid time off um, uh, stocked up. Starting now, I'm taking all of it. I'm going to an undisclosed location. Don't come and find me. I'll be I'll be back in a in a few days." And he just grabs this giant duffel bag and then sprints out of the building. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I just mean, I mean, canonically that Bill worked for the Parks Department in, in Texas. Or, wait, is it Texas? I think it's Texas where they are. Maybe. The show? I'd have to watch Parks and Rec properly because I watched through the first season oh, and it's no, like- No, sorry. I'm just, no, 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 no. Um, dummy me. I was trying to think of where, um, where oh, where Bill, Bill is? Yeah, but of course it's not Texas. It's, it's basically in Massachusetts. I was thinking that, um- I got that confused yeah, with Joel. Lincoln, Joel's, Lincoln, Joel's Massachusetts. House. Yeah, Joel, yeah, Joel. Joel started in Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just mean canonically that he deals with Leslie Nope would be very funny. Yeah. 
uh, right. Okay. So let's, let's get into it. Why, why, other than the gays, why didn't you like episode three? Um, I just, okay. So I need to put it into words oh, that no. make sense. <laughs> no, it's, it's nothing bad. I just, I swear it's nothing bad. I just, I just need to find the words to describe it properly. But here, here comes I, the butt. I feel like it's a big pace breaker of an episode. Yeah. No, I I appreciate that side of it too, definitely. Yeah, that it's hard it, so I like the story that they told. I the problem is that if they've drastically changed Bill's character and like anything that can happen with Bill in The Last of Us. The other side of that is that I don't know if there's any other character you could have told this story with. I can see why they wanted to tell this story. Hmm. Um, but it came at the cost of the entire Lincoln section of the game, Bill as a character, and just how much I enjoyed him in the game, that they've done something completely different with him in the show. And it's not that I'm not a fan. It's just that it's weird to me that I they've changed it this much when everything else about the game has been pretty consistent besides like very minor changes here and there hmm. is like the biggest departure from the game. I, I think it's not so much like the, the pace break, I think, is OK. I, well, let me put to it. Uh, let me put it to a different way. Do you consider episode three filler? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. And. It's really because interesting looking at people online. It seems like there's actually quite a split, almost, almost down the middle from what I've seen of people talking about. Um, yeah, very, very few people outside of the fundamentalist right didn't like the episode because of the storyline it told. It was just that the story that it told in relation to what was going on wasn't, uh, didn't totally gel. Yeah. In... Personally, I feel like that The Last of Us Part 1 is Joel and Ellie's story. So having an episode that 40 to 50 minutes of an hour long episode focus on people that aren't them and exclusively takes place in the past feels like filler to me. Hmm. Did you I, think did, did you think at any time through this that um uh Frank in the game ran out on Bill uh, recently relative to when you arrived. And so you find him uh, hanging at the end of the Lincoln section. Uh, I had a couple moments where I thought uh, they were going to do a twist on uh, Frank running out and just replacing it with Frank dying in some way. I felt like there were a couple, there was one scene in particular where it felt like, oh, this is going to be the scene where he runs out on his own. And that was the first three-year skip where oh, he yeah, runs out of the yeah. house and he's yelling at Bill about yeah. the other houses around the place and wanting to maintain them. Yeah. I thought, oh, this is what's going to break them apart. Frank's going to be on his own and eventually Bill uh, will cut back to Bill, Joel and Ellie together and they'll find Frank. And no, <laughs> no, that doesn't happen at all. They, they make up and they live the rest of their short and lives together. And they planted together. strawberries. And they almost fuck on the strawberries. <laughs> but, but Frank was very adamant about not doing that. <laughs> and that's why you don't like him. He yeah, denied because... you his burly men sex scene. 
specifically on top of the strawberries. I really want to see those bushes get messed up. <laughs> hey, man, that, that's definitely a specific fetish, but you do you. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, strawberries can be used in very interesting ways. I'm, I'm more of a grapefruit guy myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this God. conversation tanked hard once we got to this point, huh? Really did. Um, yeah, I, the, the, the filler thing is really interesting. So, um... <laughs> the, the reason his, I find this filler sure. is because if you cut out their entire story, the only thing you you miss out on is it. Well, if you cut, skip this entire episode, the only thing you're going to miss out on, um, like for Joel and Ellie's story, the main storyline of the um the show is how did Joel get this van? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and uh. For me, the difficulty is th this is being lauded as one of the best pieces of TV, like just ever. Really? And, uh, I guess it depends on how hyperbolic you want to find the, the news outlet, but but it's it's uh, got exceptional reviews, critically audience scores, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, everyone that was okay with two burly men kissing on screen, because that's such a weird bar to have. Um, uh, think about it as being a critically very successful piece of television. And I agree. The thing that I'm not sold on is that I also think it has fillery tendencies for the same reason as, um, like, in the game, uh, yeah, in, in the game, you are with Joel and Ellie the whole time, and Joel, being quite raw after the death of Tess, uses Bill as a way of kind of exploring- Yeah, exploring the relationship with Ellie and sort of readjusting to what this means without having Tess there. And- And the also just in general, Bill and Ellie have a fun dynamic together as well, because is Bill true. is such an asshole and Ellie's not taking any of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the difficulty is that losing that for a 50 minute block, there is still a fair amount that's happened within that. Like, um, what am I trying to say? Like, uh, we can't just take Joel and Ellie skipping over Lincoln from the game, right? Because where Joel and Ellie are at the end of the Lincoln uh, section is very different from where they are where they entered the section. And the yeah. problem is, we have done that in the show, but they haven't really changed their relationship so much because it's all been Bill and Frank. I'm not saying that's yeah. a problem, but I'm saying that could lead to problems writing-wise later on because some of the other plot points kind of, uh, and at least in my head, have this expectation that the relationship has developed in some way that if we don't get critical parts of it moving forward, like jumping over the Lincoln's, uh, the Lincoln section, you run the risk of it kind of not sitting right, or that the, that the writers try and continue where the game goes and it starts diverging and it just, it starts breaking down a little bit. That, that's the concern with the, with the lack of relationship development through Lincoln for me. Yeah, I think the next episode we're going to have to start dealing with Joel's feelings about Tessa's death because episode because three didn't. still ends <laughs> yeah episode three still ends on him being pretty hard on that like he gets he reads a note from bill and it's like it mentions tess and you can still see he's really hung up about that so yeah. we're going yeah. to have to deal with that eventually and this 
this area of the game is where he was meant to deal with that. Yeah, and you know what? As far as filler episodes go, normally it's on a beach. I don't know what happened here. I mean, I can take a strawberry farm instead. <laughs> it's all about the strawberries for you, huh? Um, yeah, I mean, was there any other noticeable landmarks about that place to you? <laughs> I mean, the the piano, the the nice. Uh, it's funny that that Nick Offerman is such a like woodshop guy in real life because I assume he would have had a hand in like the production design of that house. Of like, no, 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 we need this sort of wood for the table. We need these sorts of chairs because <laughs> it's oh, very wow. kind of. Um, uh, I'm not saying that he would, but I'm saying uh, he would have the knowledge to be like that if he wanted to. Yeah, um, yeah. With the production design and that just to me is very both uh like i'm I'm constantly amazed by that and it's also just very funny <laughs> on like a different yeah. level to me um the so the, another i i want to i want to roll back about bill for a second again sure um because of the way they told this story bill is a completely different character in this than he was in the game as well because i mentioned a little bit ago like a minute or two ago that he's a huge asshole to Joel and Ellie. And in this, he comes off as a very, sen- he's a very sensitive person. And like his life with Frank, like lets him open up to someone uh, in the, in the world for the first time. And so this essentially feels like a different character than the Bill in the game as well. I don't see that as an issue because Bill's storyline ended in the game at the end of Lincoln. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, it's not an issue. It's just something I wanted to bring up. Right, right. I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's fair. What what just, I wanted to what I wanted to touch on is that um, the filler discussion for me comes down to uh, actually I'm not even sure that I finished the point about being a critically acclaimed piece of television. Um, I agree. I think it's a very very good piece of television. The uh, the thing that I'm that I'm in two minds about is that on the one hand, I agree. It's a very good episode. Um, very very entertaining to watch um really cool fleshing out the backstory but i would almost rather this is where i'm i'm not 100 percent sure that i know what i want here but i see that episode doing really well in a uh kind of like an anthology spin-off of the last of us yes yes do you know what i mean like uh bill and frank's backstory is perfect for that in the same way that I'm sure there would be a also phenomenal, like, uh, actually, you know what? I, I think I've fleshed this idea out more in my head on the fly. Look at that. We're doing it live. Um, Bill and Frank's story being fleshed out as it was is awesome. I would like to see the same treatment done to um, uh, Ellie and Riley, Joel and Tess, uh, even Marlene. Marlene. Yeah, possibly Marlene. Um, Marlene was- and the Fireflies, because the Fireflies feel like such a non-entity. Yeah, that, that was my hesitation, is because the Fireflies just feel like, they just feel like cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, in the game, Bill and Frank's um, relationship is, I guess, subtle. You, you, it's, in your, it's in your face, but also people didn't get it right away, and it, I guess it like kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, um, that's true. The Fireflies are, are lower than that. Hmm. And they could they could use with being fleshed out in like an anthology series where they yeah. get an episode to themselves to like fully flesh out what they've been doing to try and go against the um Fedra, the Fedra units. Yeah. I, I think I think that's where it comes down to for me. I really like what they did and the direction that they took, but it wasn't about the continuation of Joel and Ellie's story. 
where because Bill's like Bill's not a recurring character, he tells you to fuck off out of his town at the end of Lincoln, and he makes he damn sure he probably dies after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so to have an entire episode spent on fleshing this backstory out is great, but I think it's I think it's best served in an anthology spinoff where yeah, there's no. I think I completely agree with that. I I think that's exactly my feelings too. This is this is such a great story to tell. Um, but it's it's a really really good episode of TV. I best ever TV. I I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah um, that that one. It, it sounds kind of hyperbolic. I think there are people there are people who watched that and thought this is the best TV they have ever seen, and that it, is fair. It's very important for getting gay representation on TV, like uh, to just try to normalize it. But it was played by two straight guys. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's maybe if we had two gay guys doing it, it would have come off even better. <laughs> um, <laughs> then they would have but, actually fucked yeah. all the strawberries, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what would have made it perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that takes it from the ninety-nine to one hundred. Steve, but, Steve, Steve, trying to figure out what the perfect game looks like. We finally figured out what the perfect episode looks like. Yes, um, but yeah, it it just it felt like a pace breaker in this series, uh, like this season specifically. Yeah. And if it was if it was in a different a different season where it was like an anthology series, like you said, then yeah, this would have been absolutely perfect for that. Yeah. Uh, and I I think part one and to a lesser extent, but parts of part two as well are ripe for an anthology style episode dedicated to some part of the the story that isn't the main one. Um, yeah. I don't think there's a huge amount more that I want to hit on that. I think I think me figuring that out on the therapist couch that is, you know, located in the lounge that is traveling fast um, r- really helps. But yeah, I think the anthology thing is, is the bit that I that I really wanted to sort of hammer out for episode three. Anything more for yeah. you? Yeah. Um, just on the specifics of an anthology thing, I feel like that's like the thing that is the problem with The Last of Us as a series in general right now is that after the first game, everyone was like, we could go to a different set of characters. We could explore the world some more. <laughs> and yeah. no, we've just been stuck with Joel and Ellie for the two games that The Last of Us as a brand has felt like their story. Um, and yeah, something something to... So this Bill and Frank episode is really good to like expand outside of them. But at the same time, it's, it's come at the cost of this series feeling like so much of just Joel and Ellie's story that it feels out of place without being in a specific fold. And it's like, no, here's an anthology set about other things besides Joel and Ellie. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree. Uh, a hard agree for me. Uh, anything we want to hit on episode three or shall we talk about what we think future episodes are and then, and then call the last of us discussion. I, I think episode three is done and dusted. I think we, we did that as gracefully as we could. We navigated the absolute uh, tightrope. Yeah, yeah. That is trying to talk about how much Seth hates the gays. Oh, I absolutely cannot stand them unless they're twinks. <laughs> uh, twinks with a penchant for strawberries. <laughs> and dick. <laughs> um, Strawberry-shaped dick. Hey, there we go. Uh, so, the last thing that I want to hit on. Well, the last thing, the last of us. Boom, nailed it. Um, the last thing that I want to touch on. Uh, there are quite heavily, um, the, the beauty of Last of Us Part 1, it occurs in such distinct chunks of story that it gives you. Uh, every, and- every city feels like it can be contextualized into its own episode of TV. 
Yeah, so that that's what I wanted to ask. So we are currently at the end of Lincoln in as of where the game is, and we are at the end of episode three as to where the show is. Uh, first question: What's your prediction for the number of episodes in the series? Uh, in the sorry, in the season, and two. Oh. Oh, I, I've already got the answer. I looked at it on Wikipedia. Oh, did they already announce it? It seems like they've already announced it, yeah. Uh, is it... Ooh, I want to say... I want to say ten. It is nine. We are okay. not getting double digits. <laughs> you know you know what the hardest part? The mental math in there was, I think it could be eight, but eight might be slightly too short. So I'm going to say... Nine, but nine is a weird number of episodes to have in a series because it's not an even number. So I'm going to say ten. <laughs> I'm just so used to anime seasons being twelve. <laughs> yeah, um, nine. Okay, I, shit, that was going to be the backup option. I yeah. also know exactly what episode seven will be because of the title of that episode. You know what? We it, already we already declared spoilers, so yeah, hit, hit, hit us with it. Episode seven is titled "Left Behind." Interesting. So, so that is probably going to be the Winter and Riley episode. Not not Winter in its whole, but, but the start of yeah. Oh, no no, that would be perfect because um that would imply that actually yeah, let's work backwards from that. I I think I think you're bang on. So that would imply that 6 is they're going through the university in the fall section and Joel gets injured, which makes sense. Uh yes, which 7 might- could be some of Ellie like Karen. getting the medicine and stuff yeah. like basically the entire DLC episode with maybe hints of David. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And then eight is solely about David. Um, yeah. So, uh, God, what a tense chapter that was, by the way, in the game. The entire oh, winter segment of that game is sh- is short and sweet and so tense. It's so perfect. So there is a question I have to ask here. Do we think we're going to get a visceral kill shot on a rabbit? Yes. In Dude. fact, it's it's going to be so good. They're actually going to just put in a um overlay of that one streamer that's looking at the rabbit, thinking it's so yeah. cute, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then breaks down <laughs> as it's shot. Uh, I I wish I knew which streamer that was, but I I know the exact clip you're thinking. And those listening, I'm sure you're thinking of the same clip as well. Um, yeah, that's it's just it's such a memorable moment for the start of winter. <laughs> So episode four, we know, is going to be the- um, The start of Philadelphia. Yeah, the start of Philadelphia. Uh, episode five will probably be the end of Philadelphia, where at the end of it, Henry and Sam kill themselves. That's what I'm- ex- uh, I actually think- I think they could condense Philadelphia into all of this happening in episode four. The problem is that makes episode four have to do a lot because we've lost episode three. The reason yeah. I say that is because we still have to have the interactions with- um, Tommy and yes, like the the whole the whole. I'm assuming how they're going to structure this is that um, I think that's also a difference from the from the game that I think about it. In that Joel was always wanting to leave to go find Tommy. I don't yeah, know if I, he was always wanting to find Tommy in the game. No, that was that was new for the series. So if they want to do that, and Seven is left behind, it might be that they six six is titled Kin, and I was trying to think of what that would be about, but. That that'd makes be, sense Tommy. for it to be Tommy. Yeah. Okay, cool. But in I which case that might be a double feature of Tommy and the university, I guess, unless they yeah. just straight up cut the university. But then that leaves the winter segment. Like, how do they get there in a weird position? Yeah, because the, the thing is that they travel from where Tommy is to um, the university. I don't remember the, the name of the town that they're in, but the university town. And that's also a season change. 
because that that yeah. becomes fall and then it season changes to winter so it would be weird if that was midway through but it would also be weird if sorry what'd you say episode five was ken or six six i don't think yeah i don't think they can do double in that episode i think i think that that puts too much pressure on themselves to do it it does, um, but then we go to seven, which is left behind. So they've got to do spring and winter change in that episode. Hmm. So five, five is endure and survive. That could be anything in context of the game story. I feel like endure and survive is the theme of, um, uh, no, I was going to say the theme of Henry and Sam of just doing what they can to survive. Yeah. But I realize that's. That could also be true of how Tommy survives or how fucking anyone in The Lost survives. So never mind. It's not, not as clued in I, as I thought. I think Philadelphia is going to take up two episodes and we'll get to Wyoming by the end of episode five. So we can do like a handover between five and six to, do, to have Tommy and then go into the university in five. Uh, I mean, in six. And then from six, we go to winter in episode seven. Um, episode eight deals with David and then episode nine is the ending. Yeah. Do you think they will, how do you think they'll shoot the giraffe scene? Huh. CG. CG giraffe. You don't think, you don't think they're going to get a practical giraffe? Nah. Nah, I don't, I don't think, (laughs) I don't think that's in the budget. You you don't think they're just going to get like four or five people in a, in a giraffe, in a giraffe costume? (laughs) Now, now that's also very likely. (laughs) It, that that is that's so Troy Baker and um oh, sorry uh Bella Nolan Ramsey oh. no no Bella, that's sorry that's a TV show uh what's who is Pe- Pedro Ella, Pascal Be- Ellie's no Ellie's um voice actress for the game one second oh, sorry <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. um Ashley Johnson yes so thank you Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker are getting um getting cameos in the TV show. Them being together in the giraffe suit is how they're going to cameo. <laughs> <laughs> or, or hear me out. They rewrite Sam and Henry, and it's Joel and it's Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. And then at the end of the episode, Troy shoots Ashley. You know what? I had. I, I was going to say some things. I am stopping myself from saying both of them. <laughs> there, there's, there's too many red flags that are going off in my mind to finish these thoughts. <laughs> you, 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 you've clicked in a game of Minesweeper, and you got a, You got an eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, you, you you got a seven. One of them is yeah. safe, but you don't know which one. <laughs> and and at that point, I'm just it, it feels better to just close that window. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. Is it just those two, or is there anyone else from the game? Like, actually, is Neil getting a, a cameo somewhere in there? I think Neil is directing some episodes, so I don't know if he's getting a cameo, but he's get he's getting directing and writing credits. Which, you know, he, I'm pretty sure he's going to be very happy with. <laughs> he, he seems like he wants to get into TV and movies. Oh, that, that, isn't, that, isn't that the, um, the Hideo Kojima 10-year plan? Really wanted to be like a film or show director, but uh, everyone was like, no, no, but your games are too good. We're not going to let you direct anything else. No, I'm, he, he's a cinemaphile, but he really loves video games as a medium and like, uses what he can in video games to the full extent of them to do his stories. Hmm. Like I'm I'm you, hard you, can't, you can't do the psychomantis thing without it being a video game. <laughs> True. 
I'm uh, I'm I'm half remembering a, a line that I that I got out of um, Alfred's podcast. So maybe maybe I, I'm missing some context on that. But no, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I think it's cool that they get cameos. I think I think that's a really nice nod to to the original material. Um, which is is weird talking about how the original material is a video game. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, that's... While we're while we're on the topic of that, do we want to touch on Bruce Draley and how he's not getting any credits for the show, even though he is co-director and co-writer for the for the game? Um. Okay. Because uh... th- this was a uh, this was a thing that came out recently. Like I think after the first episode came out, Bruce Draley was pretty cut off about not getting any credits for his work on the original being like the original game damn um i mean do we want to talk about it sure i don't have anything to contribute though this is the first time hearing of it oh okay if this is your first time hearing it and it's just like dropping on you it hold on let me let me do a quick google to um so i get my story straight oh so now it's all about straight stories with you huh Uh, yes didn't I make that obvious with the Bill and Frank segments? It's only straight stories unless they're fanboys. I heard the typing stop as you processed that. I actually, I actually hit enter right as you were saying that. Uh, uh, here's me just trying to take up, take up some, uh, some space, take up some time while you get Google to do your bidding. Um, yeah, no, that that is shitty. Uh, it's, I don't know how. How would you like if if you didn't have any input on the show adaption? I actually haven't looked at the I Last think, of Us credits, but I, I guess it would t- be. Hold on, let. There's another thing of me going. Hold on, let me look at something. But this one's on my hard drive. Just looking at the um the beginning of the episodes because they have the intro title crawl. Hmm. I think at the bottom says based on the game by Neil Druckmann. That's rough. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. So, so let me let me watch through this just to confirm that. Uh, real real ballers would put uh all of episode one in the in the video for this episode uh just so that the viewers could follow along. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's um he's very cut up about that. He was uh, this he didn't like just come out and say this. He was having an interview with um the New York Times, I think it was. Uh. Let me double check that. Uh, Los Angeles Times. Sorry. Um, he, he was having an interview with them and they asked him about like, oh, so how do you feel about your lack of credits for this? And he's like, he's very cut up about it. And he's like, this is like a very good argument for why unions in video games need to, ma- need to happen because people deserve the, um, the credits that, for the work that they've done on these type of things. So, based on the PlayStation Studio video game created by Naughty Dog and written by Neil Druckmann, that's Damn. what it says. And yeah, he he was he was mostly like a gameplay director, but he did have a big input on the story and like helped guide it. Um, hmm. So yeah, him not getting like a written by um, credits really sucks for this. Yeah, because this this I I see this. Um... I, my, my suspicion is that this will be similar to Arcane in that it is based on a video game and adapted for a medium that you don't need to know anything about the video game for and everyone will enjoy and it will be critically acclaimed. So yeah. to not have a credit attached to that could actually 
like I I don't want to say like hurt his career prospects because you know his CV would still say helped you know <laughs> co-direct The Last of Us the video game, but it, it is shitty that I pick this being one of the big um, 2023 standouts and to not get credited for that is is rough. Yeah, definitely, and I he he's I'm pretty sure he's doing okay because I believe he started his own company now. Um, he got burnt out from the crunch. He got burnt out from the crunch at Naughty Dog, and he was there for 18 years. And uh, he he left the video game industry for like three or four years, maybe five. And then he came back, started his own company, and they're hiring now. I think we might have actually talked about this last year on the podcast. Entirely um, possible. Yeah, but yeah, it. I I think that credits are imp- incredibly important, and not getting credited as like a co-writer for um and a co-creator for the last of us uh for the tv show is incredibly awful for him we we agree not to put uh steve and josh uh, as host credits for this podcast though right oh oh, absolutely not at least for the episodes that they're not part of (laughs) okay yeah if you want to compromise like me (laughs) seth buddy (laughs) we don't have a union (laughs) we can do what we want (laughs) listen this is this podcast was like Josh is Josh going, we should start a podcast for two, three years to all of us. And then we're like, okay, after a while, we were just like, okay, bet. <laughs> and now we're here. And, and you know what? He's really cut up that he doesn't have uh, credits as. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good podcast created by. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just dox, dox his name, age and address real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I think that is probably where I want to leave the last of us discussion. Currently really enjoying it. Um, really, yeah, now that, now that I have a, a loose sense of where they're going to block the story out, I'm really looking forward to upcoming episodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just in general, like the previews for the next episode that were at the end of episode three made it look really, really interesting. Like Philadelphia is such an intense section. Um, really looking forward to that getting adapted. And it's been a really good a- adaptation. Mm. In general. Mm. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I think we will leave it there. Uh, <laughs> just because in the, in the standard Vast Travel Lounge, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the standard form for us talking about stuff, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, so episode one is like a nine. Episode two is a nine. And episode three, because it didn't have any fanboys, is a zero. I mean, shockingly, <laughs> that's still an 18 out of 30. That's still pretty good. It's it's batting over fifty percent. That's a passing <laughs> grade. Yeah, definitely is. Um, <laughs> no, no. In actual seriousness, I think it's probably like somewhere between eight and nines across the board. It's very solid. I, yeah, it's it's because I really like the this is how the world started starts to end type things that I just love because I've now seen the first episode three times, um, twice on my own and then once because. Uh, someone else is watching it and I'm like yeah I'll watch it again um, and just the full almost continuous shot of them in the truck and like them panicking trying to figure out what to do uh, Sarah freaking out the, the cabin burning down um, you know the uh, that's you know, the Smith's house or whatever whatever he says on the way past um, uh, the plane crash and everyone running through the streets whatever just all of that is intense and uh, like unceasing because you never get a wide shot it's all from like the perspective of the people in the car it's like oh just that whole sequence is just like that that is 
really close to a perfect 10 for what that episode is for me. Yeah, no, that, um, that sequence specifically is fantastic. Yeah, it's let down a little bit in a couple places that's still in it in episode one. So I guess, yeah, nine to nine and a half for, for episode one for me. And then, yeah, eight, eight, eight to nines for the rest of it. I think the, um, what, the, what episode three is is also quite high, like a 9.5-ish in terms of what the TV content is, but in relation to the show. It, it loses a couple of points for being really good, but still kind of fillery, as, as we discussed. Um, cool. I'm, I'm willing to leave it here. You? I have one more thing I want to say. Of course and you that's, do. It's just, it, it literally just popped up on my Twitter timeline, but did you know that last night on SNL, Pedro Pascal starred as Mario in a dystopian world? <laughs> like a parody I of an HBO show, but as not. Mario? I, right. Now, now that that's in my mind, I kind of wish that Pedro Pascal was a voice actor for Mario instead of Chris Pratt. Okay, your mind went there. My mind is now thinking that canonically, if we have Elon Musk as Wario and Pedro Pascal as Mario, <laughs> what's going to happen? <laughs> Nothing good. Nothing good indeed. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is still Peach, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And, um... Jack Black is absolutely still Bowser. Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, man. God, the way he's killing that role. Oh. I, I love how we both, we both say killing the role and the film's not out yet, but we just know. Wait, wait yeah. It, just, just that one trailer with him in it was enough. Absolutely. Did you, did you, also, have to, did you also have to cover the strawberries? <laughs> not this time. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't know what that means, and at this point, I'm too scared to ask. <laughs> strawberries went in raw. <laughs> that is so much worse. Um, cool. All right, let's, let's leave the last discussion here. Um, I, I guess, uh, why don't we just roll into a couple, couple news, news articles? Uh, some of them might actually be Last of Us related. Um, good old Ron Swanson turns out to be a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a fan for Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, for, former fan, I'd say, or rather, fan of the game, hated what it did to his life. Yeah, I mean, hey, once you've tried heroin, right, you, we've, we've all been there. He, he even describes it, playing that game, as a slow, delicious dopamine rush. <laughs> uh, to be honest, that's basically all the article is. He, um, he hasn't played The Last of Us, nor does he ever intend to, uh, because of how um, absolute the dopamine filled he got playing Banjo-Kazooie for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's just a fun little story of like, he hasn't played the games. In fact, he gave up playing video games 25 years ago because Banjo-Kazooie took over his life for two weeks and that was it. He, he had to stop. And, you know, as we saw at the end of episode three, he did. <laughs> Permanently. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, the other Last of Us news, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just thought of, thought of a million dumb segues for this one, but <laughs> none of them are as dumb as just reading the title of The Last of Us Part 1 has been delayed till March 26. Uh, and then there's I can't the believe they delayed The Last of Us. Yeah, I know, I know. And then there's a caveat that, um, this is the PC version because obviously The Last of Us Part 1 actually came out 11 years ago. <laughs> uh, are you sure? Uh, oh, sorry, 11 years ago, and also, like, five years ago, and also, like, four years ago, or, uh, I think that's about right. Last year. Just, just last year? Yeah, the PS5 version was just last year. Man, 
I'm, I feel like if you were to, to do a little inside out, little scope, my, my, the, the couple little remaining uh, brain cells I have would also be going through the Last of Us phases right now, where most of them have died, but there's just like one or two left that just have all the dates wrong. Anyway, it's been delayed till March 26th. <laughs> just uh, a couple of weeks, and it, it, Naughty Dog says they need some time to make sure that it's up to snuff. Which, fair enough. I mean, they've only had three attempts at releasing this thing. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think fr- do you think free attempts is enough? <laughs> I mean, hey, Skyrim, uh, I don't know about you, but Skyrim really plays differently on the, like, sixth release. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, thanks to some random anon uh, in, in the Facebook comments on the Naughty Dog post about this who suggests that the delay is actually because they want to rip out the entirety of uh, Bill's section in Lincoln. And replace it with a gay dating simulator. <laughs> Just for Bill and Frank. Are there strawberries and involved? I, I hope so. For, for your sake, Stra- Seth, gift, I hope gift, so. Gifting strawberries gives you extra points. <laughs> and if you get enough points, you unlock cat ears. Just for you. Based. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, 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 yeah as, as I say every time this comes up, uh, a game wanting to um, say that they need some more time for polish only seems like a good thing. When it's a bad thing is when it's Cyberpunk 2077 saying, hey, we need some polish time, and by polish time, we need, we need time to finish the game. We need another three years, <laughs> but we're putting out the game now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, that's the Last of Us chat out of the way. Um, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it wrong to say next up on Real News? No. No, I don't think so. Uh, well, next up on Real News, uh, Netflix did something really stupid. Boom. And, and, and then thinking, he says, you know what? We, we're taking back our stupid thing. No, no, actually, you, you, you know what? I'm, I'm double proud of that because real isn't film real. Boom. Actual segue. Um, Netflix. You know what? You can do the rest of this new section by yourself. <laughs> all, all of the articles. <laughs> it, like, in, in chronological order? Yes. Okay, fine. Um, well, normally I introduce it and then Seth actually does the, the discussion of the articles. So um, I, I guess we'll see how this goes. Uh, Netflix um, accidentally posts how they want to crack down on all of the disgusting pirates out there that are sharing Netflix passwords. And th- this is where Seth would pipe in. Yeah, so uh, basically, <laughs> I, I cannot for the life of me do, do the voice. Filthy, I, I am one of those filthy pirates, but instead of like taking a password, I'm giving a password. <laughs> You're like the Robin Hood of pirates. Exactly. I, I only give to the poor. <laughs> You're one of the real ones. Um, uh, no, I just need I just need to find out how to steal from um Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Maybe Elon uh, Musk too. I I don't think it's worth going too in depth as to how Netflix wanted to do it because they claim it was posted in error, but basically they came up with a bunch of asinine rules that would have absolutely tanked their stock price. Even like it would have created even harder than it already has, um, just by introducing a bunch of limitations. And this whole story is summed up beautifully by a tweet of. Shout out to Netflix for, for, for being reminded that the only reason streaming services exist is because they are marginally easier to use than piracy. <laughs> um, there's one thing I want to add on it that this article also mentions that Netflix admitted that these guidelines that they posted are being trialed in Chile, Peru and Costa Rica. And all of those guidelines that they posted are getting immense pushback in those countries. <laughs> um. Well, okay, uh, because they are getting guinea pigged in, in South American countries. Uh, 
the real high level stuff is that Netflix thinks there's 100 million people using its service by, that are illegally sharing a password. And you might be thinking, but didn't they release a tweet a few years ago on Valentine's Day talking about how love is sharing a password? Yeah, but that, that Netflix is dead. Um, yeah, it is insane. They haven't deleted that tweet yet. And it's even better that Uno posts a reply with the reversal. I <laughs> fucking reversal love that gift. reply. Oh, man. I actually need to go buy Uno just to, you know, pay, pay, um, uh, pay my due to the probably 19-year-old running get, the social media. Get the physical card game because if you buy the digital one, you're giving Ubisoft money. <laughs> Can't have that. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the real high-level stuff is that you had to sign in. They, they basically wanted to determine it to be more of like a home-based type thing. Because even if you're on a family plan, what Netflix's interpretation of that is that it's a single household just with multiple people watching. So uh, everything would become structured around a particular Wi-Fi that you would have to sign into periodically. Otherwise, it would assume that your device is no longer at that household and therefore you are now stealing a password. So, yeah, I think everyone outside of Netflix knew this was a bad idea. College students pushed back hard. Because, you know, they're, they're all just using their parents' account and it's like, well, what am I meant to do? Go back home once a month? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Netflix's reply. Just, yes. <laughs> do it. Do you not Go have visit phones? your parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? Yeah. Maybe Netflix is right. Maybe college students should be visiting their parents at least <laughs> once a month. Actually, based trying to encourage family time. Just, just sit around, talk, watch Netflix together, as God intended. I'm so glad you said just-, just <laughs> There was a moment where I was worried you would say college students go home and Netflix and chill with their parents, and I was thinking, <laughs> I don't think that means what you think it means. Listen, like I, know of, of, I know the difference between- strawberries involved. It's real cute. I, I was going to make the strawberry joke, but beat me to it. <laughs> Speaking of beating things- <laughs> Um, yeah, Live anyway. on this podcast, me getting my ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> Live on this podcast, us beating each other off. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. There's ne- the Netf- strawberries. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Um, ne- Netflix does something stupid, and the internet collectively bullies Netflix. Uh, sc- <laughs> shout the out internet to- collectively getting together to bully corporations has been the best thing about the past couple of years. Exactly. Yeah. Shout out to the little guys for taking another one back on, on, on a member of Fang. Doesn't happen often. Gotta take the dub. Um, anyway, next up, uh, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest to think of how I can segue this into a Last of Us joke. Um, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> I, I, I don't have anything. And if you enjoy a bunch of live service games, you might be in the same boat soon because nine of them are being announced as end of lifing. Um, I'll count that as a segue. I'm fucking proud of that. Uh, anyway, if you are a fan of any combination of Apex Legends Mobile, Battlefield Mobile, Crime Sight, Crossfire X, Dragon Quest, The Adventures of da- Dal, A Hero's Die, A Hero's Bonds, Echo VR, Knockout City, Live Laugh Yeet, School Idol Festival, uh, and Rumbleverse. Uh, then the, those are all live service games announced as end of lifing. So uh, if, if you're thinking, but, but Patrick, I have five figures in a bank account that I want to put towards premium currency. Send it to us. We'll, 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 um, we'll do something with it. <laughs> it'll, it'll go to, it'll go directly to my editing paycheck, which doesn't exist right now. Hey, we gave you the credit. Yeah, I guess. 
<laughs> um, some good news from these though, like Knockout City is going to be doing a patch on PC that just lets you run private servers. So the game will still be playable. And that's I good. believe that's going to be free. So yeah, that, that's really so, cool. Yeah, so keeping the game alive in that sense. Um, and Rumbleverse, has, the developers behind that had said, hey, if you've made any purchases since the game launched, we're just going to refund you all of your purchases, which, good on them. Every time a live service game ends, they should be forced to do this. Do, do not let publishers get away with publishing a live service game, taking people's money, and then cancelling it a year later. Okay. Make, them pay, 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 make them pay the people back. All right, all right. Uh, I half agree with you. I agree with the principle of what you're saying. Uh, where I think there needs to be a caveat is I think when a live service game goes up, the publisher should say this live service game will be supported for X number of years. Yes. And then it, if they break it, that, it stops if, if, yeah, if, if, if they break that, give them the refunds. Fair enough. But I also think it would be shitty if you have a live service game up for 10 years. And then at the end of the 10 years, they're like, oh, time to refund 10 years worth of purchases. Yeah, no, it's only if it's been like a year. Yeah. And holy shit, have there been a lot of shutting down within a year life service models. Hi, Square Enix. How are you doing? <laughs> Three of them in the last year? No, couldn't be you. Couldn't be you. Old Square Enix would have done it. <laughs> oh, man. Before the NFT outrage. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, next, next up on the list, um, we have, uh, Back for Blood, uh, ending some, well, b basically, uh, starting kind to- Kind of, kind of the same boat as the last one, it's, they're, yeah. they're ending updates, the yeah, game's that's... still going to be playable and everything, but they're going to focus on their next game, so they're not going to do any more DLC or updates for the game. Did you ever play Back for Blood? I did for a little bit. It's, it's fine. <laughs> that, that perfectly encapsulates everyone that I know that played Back for Blood. I did for a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> I, I got it to play co-op and we just never got back around to playing it again. Like, I enjoyed my time with it. I don't think it was as bad as everyone was making it out to be. I didn't immediately go to play Left 4 Dead 2 after playing this. But no, it was enjoyable. I think... I think it was a little overblown to push back against it. Um, but also not surprised that they're ending the service. Yeah. Because, uh, because yeah, it, it got massive pushback. Mm. Uh, and apparently they want to start focusing on their next game. So can't wait to push yeah. back on that motherfucker too. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're too small of a studio to work on a new game and support Back for Blood at the same time. Yeah. Which, yeah, makes sense. Hmm. Go go we'll, do your new thing. We'll have to we'll have to see how we go with that. Um. All right. Next next up on the list, uh, a, a hypothetical question for you, Seth. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh. I I have a I have a a um. I have a premium Egyptian sarcophagus in my pocket that I'd like to sell you. Yes. Go on. I will charge you three hundred million dollars, and I'll also throw in some like weird cybernetic like wires and shit I found in, in the other pocket. You know what? That sounds like a fair deal. I'll take that. <laughs> Jokes on you. I just sold you like three different IP for three hundred million dollars. I'm gonna invest this all into Web threes and NFT projects. All right. Now this joke would work better if Josh or uh, Stephen were here, but I'm gonna sell just that gold sarcophagus to one of them for six hundred million. 
<laughs> and the thing is, let's let's say it's Steve. Who's the idiot here? <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> you you grossly undervalued what you had in your pocket. Right. Yeah, okay, I guess. I, I don't know. It's it's <laughs> I know that, I'm that, the idiot. That pocket links? That could have gone for another fifty. <laughs> it's not not a very nice way of actually fuck. I, I I don't remember the IP split other than Deus Ex and, and Tomb Raider. There was a third one, eh? Oh, our that, the pocket link was Gex. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah, I do. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> There's also Legacy of Kane somewhere in there. Yeah, sure. Um. Anyway, as 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 you probably told from the absolutely perfect historical retelling of what happened in the last couple of weeks, um, Tomb Raider getting absolutely just fobbed off to the highest bidder possible by Square Enix for some unfathomable. It was Square Enix, right? Yes. Thank God. Okay. Realize I said it twice. And I'm like, I know they're used to doing stuff that is stupid, but was it them? <laughs> um, yeah. So they they decided that they would rather have three hundred million dollars in NFTs <laughs> for some reason. Um, and then uh, I don't remember who they sold it to, but whoever they did sell it to, let's say Seth. Seth then sells it to Amazon, and Daddy Bezos bought it for six hundred million dollars. And boy howdy, do I wish I had that kind of insight because. All I'm saying, if 300 million of us, if, if the entire population of the states had just chipped in a dollar each, we all would have two dollars. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, give me, give me a second to do this. Okay, so, um, so, I want to get one thing straight. Okay. Uh, Again with so the straightness Skronix, with you, fair enough. Skronix sold it, like, the entirety of Crystal Dynamics and their IPs for 300 million. Um, what Embracer has done is sold it for six hundred million, but we don't know what currency. Um, it's presumed to be USD, but because oh my god, they did it in Venezuelan dollars. <laughs> no, um, because Embracer is a Swedish uh, Swedish company, some people think that maybe it's in the Swedish krona, and if it is, then the deal is actually just for around fifty seven million US dollars. <laughs> In which case, you would be the idiot. Yes. <laughs> but also, also, they're not selling the Tomb Raider IP. They're just leasing it to Amazon so Amazon can use the IP, but Embracer still owns it. Just because apparently Amazon wants to make a connected universe using Tomb Raider, so connecting the games and make some movies and some other stuff around the series. And Great. Embracer's like, that sounds like a good idea. You can do it, but we're just going to lease you the rights. We're not going to sell you the rights. Hmm. So I like, I like the uh, I like the universe where um uh the 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 six hundred million was in uh, World of Warcraft gold. <laughs> I I also want to point out that this this entire article comes from a leak on Fellowship of Fans, which is a Lord of the Rings fan site, but. They also they also correctly get uh, leaked some things to do with um the Rings of Power I think it's called the the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon yeah yeah, yeah. so they might have like an actual like Amazon insider leaking things to them well, and as, that would that would make sense for this as as long as it's not leaking actual battle uh, battle tank specs uh they're probably not going to get sued over this one yeah 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 no 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 risks to um. To national, national security. security. <laughs> this time. This time. 
But man, Lara Croft is being sold around like a cheap whore. Poor girl. Meanwhile, Adam Jensen was just stoked to the, was just stoked to get the interest, and he's been put in a box. He, he did ask for this, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he still says it with the little um, inbuilt sunglasses too. <laughs> yes. God, I hope they do a third game. The second game got fucked hard by Square Enix management. That Crystal Dynamics <laughs> getting to do a third game would be really good. Hmm. Hmm. Um. I don't have a nice segue out of that. Uh, next up on the list, uh, we have. Wolverine, Wolverine wanting to say the hard R. Oh, sorry, sorry. Wanting to be a hard R. You know what? You guys do the rest <laughs> of this one for that. Coming from Jeff Grubb on Giant Bomb, um, he's leaked some information about the Wolverine game that Insomniac is doing, saying that it's probably coming as early as um, fall 2024 could come out as late as 2025 so don't be surprised if it comes that year but be but it'd be nice if it comes fall next year instead but also said that the game's going to be m rated but they're pushing towards like a hard r in terms of like cinema so what you'd what you'd expect an r-rated film to be that's the sort of tone they want to push for in this wolverine game they, he also specifies that they're going to avoid anything with the X-Men for now, and they're also avoiding anything to do with Hugh Jackman. They, they, want, this, they want this to be a standalone uh, Wolverine uh, IP sort of thing. I like the idea that they have to specifically keep the X-Men and Hugh Jackman away from the development studio. <laughs> you just can't keep Hugh Jackman away from Wolverine. He keeps saying he's retired and done with it, and then he comes back for more. And he keeps trying to, like, sell his, um, his gin brand at the same time. Yeah, and while trying to bury um, Ryan Reynolds' one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Very funny. Uh, right, yeah. I mean, the, the Wolverine game, Wolverine game being made by Insomniac is definitely interesting. So, uh... They did really good with the Spider-Man one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, excited to see, excited to see what happens in that space. Um, next up in the list. No, you didn't have a funny headline for that one. Uh, Jedi Survivor got delayed. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I wasn't, I wasn't working at 100% capacity on this one. I was, I was too worried about a different EA article. <laughs> Need, you, you needed more time to polish this announcement that they needed more polish. Yes. Understandable. Have a nice day. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, Jedi Survivor being pushed back to April 28th. Same sort of thing. We want, to, we want it to polish. Um, again, I think it's good. I would rather it be delayed and polished rather than released and everyone clowns on it because uh, I, I don't remember how Fall, um, Fallen Order? Yes. Yeah. I don't remember how Fallen Order launched, but it, apparently it launched absolutely horrifically depending on the platform. I believe on Xbox it was really rough. Right, but like, uh, on what PC, about a platform that people actually use? On PC, it was like mixed. I it works fine on my machine. I heard <laughs> it didn't work fine on other people's machines. <laughs> um, and PlayStation, I think, had a couple of odd oddities here and there, but it was mostly frame rate issues. Mm. And it basically didn't. It got patched to be fixed, and it basically runs perfectly on next-gen consoles, as in current-gen now, PS5 and the Xbox Series ones. Yeah, 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 fair. 
Uh, are you are you looking to get uh, Survivor? Not at launch, because launch prices are stupid expensive at the moment. Mm. Um, but no, I really enjoyed Fallen Order, so I do want to get Survivor. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of in a similar boat. I think I have Fallen Order somewhere that I just haven't played yet, but uh, I've I've heard it's the sort of game that I would like. I just need to get around to playing it somewhere in my backlog. Um, anyway, next up, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even care what the fuck you wrote for this headline. The original title headline's a million times better. Um, fans huff the copium. <laughs> Such a solid opening. It is. Holy shit. Fans huff the copium as Platinum Games teases Metal Gear Rising Revengeance 10th anniversary. Um, Let so, me believe. Yeah, you want to believe? I want to believe that there's a sequel coming. It's been 10 years, give it to me. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where Metal Gear Rising has been getting better with age. More and more people are up by figuring out that this game is actually a masterpiece and solid gold when it comes to, uh, to meme culture. And it's just been one of those things where a second game has been asked for for so long, it needs to happen. I'd also be fine with them just going, hey, here's a, here's a modern port of it, because it doesn't run on... Uh, I don't think it's backwards compatible on Xbox, and Sony doesn't do backwards compatibility with PS3 games. So making a, um, a current port that works on all the consoles would be nice. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, I had to open up... Uh, so this is an article from PC Gamer, uh, published by Rich Stanton. Shout out to him for that absolutely godlike title. Um, and so I, I clicked just to see if any of his other articles have his banger headlines. They don't, sadly, but one that did take me by surprise. It's not in the news, but uh, he published it two days ago. Um, Deep Rock Galactic celebrates five years of free updates by letting you play without them, says we're not slowing down. Fuck, I love Deep Rock Galactic. I need to get into playing that. I currently own it on PlayStation because they gave it away for free, but no one I know plays it on PlayStation, so I just need to pick it on, up on PC at some point. Yeah, you definitely should. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly recommend. I'm sort of waiting for someone else to get back into it just so that I can because I've, I haven't exhausted the content, but I'm at the stage where I've seen outside of the update content or like pretty much all that the game has to offer me. And I've, I've loved what I've done, but I've also spent... Actually, I, I, I have Steam open. Let me just check this. Um, I have spent... I love how half the things we've talked about this episode is, let me go check this. <laughs> Yeah, well. Let me go into my Steam library and check this. Let me go check my uh, drive folder. 97 hours. That is, that is not a small chunk. No, actually, I need to see what that puts it in as a leaderboard on Steam for me, because that puts it as a crazy high. Um, if I sort by playtime, I think that puts it in top 10 for playtime for me. Uh, where are we? Not recently played. All games sorted by... Playtime. Yep. Cool. Deep Rock Galactic is... Where are we at? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It's 15th highest um, number of hours played. Uh, which, actually, it's only because I've been playing Elden Ring recently that I'm now at 98 hours of Elden Ring and 97 hours of Deep Rock Galactic, so it just got overtaken. Um, Elden Ring... Just in case anyone is curious, I'm up to the Godskin duo in the weird floaty rock place. And I'm getting my ass absolutely whooped by them. Anyway, random tangent. Yeah, yeah, the Godskin duo does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, next up on the news, uh, sad news. 
you, you might have you might have thought sad about a couple of the articles um, until now, but this one is even worse. Uh, so traumatic that EA has possibly shit canned a a single player specific Titanfall and Apex Legend game by respawn. I can't believe they keep doing this. I think the the bit that confuses me, they didn't announce a Battlefield game. They just shit-canned a Titanfall title for fun. Yeah, no, they... So EA is constantly, A, shit-canning Titanfall and just (laughs) letting that IP go to waste. And B, just cancelling single-player games. Every time they put out a single-player game, it does fantastically. And then they're like, yeah, but we really want multiplayer games to go, go off as hard as these. No one buys single-player games anymore. I mean, remember, remember the memo where, where the, uh, they said the future is female and then crossed out the word female and wrote multiplayer? <laughs> I, I thought they just crossed out the FE from female. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that's an email. <laughs> Listen, that, that's not me. That's EA speaking. <laughs> EA is like, hmm, there's an E in female and there's an E in EA. <laughs> Can't have that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, very, very sad news. Uh, uh, I think Titanfall is now at the stage where it just goes ridiculously cheap every so often. Uh, yeah, it, they sell it for like $2 every couple of months. Yeah, it does require playing it on Origin, so you do kind of need to pack your hazmat suit, but uh, 100% worth it. Yeah, I, I am so mad. I'm going to go play Titanfall 2 to be less mad. You're going you're gonna to do the, what people are doing with Velma and go hate watch it, but you're going to hate play a great game? Yeah, yeah. No, hate playing, uh, I, if it was hate playing, I'd be doing, going into Apex Legends and doing exactly what EA wants. Instead, I'll do what they don't want and go play Titanfall 2. In, in single player? In single player, yes. Exclusively single player. I won't even touch the multiplayer because I, I still don't know if they fixed up the service for that game yet. Yeah, true, actually. Uh, hope they have, but even if they haven't, the single player alone is 100% worth whatever price you can get it on sale. Um, yeah, very sad news. Uh, technically it is rumors, but I, I'd believe EA would do something like this. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, EA canned a Star Wars game going, no one wants single player games. And then three years later, greenlit Star Wars uh, Fallen Order. And I still remember all of the, um, uh, art- all the like, news outlets reporting on that going, we, we have to applaud EA. Do we, is, is, that, is that correct? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we have to, we have, like, it's a good game. It's a legitimately good, fun, single-player game. And everyone's like, but it's published by EA. <laughs> they yeah, they yeah, don't do this. A, yeah, exactly. They never do this. Everyone's like, is there a mistake? <laughs> Where's, where's the microtransaction? Where's, where's Battlefront 2 tried to shoehorn back into this? But no, it was, just a, it was just a good game. I think it came out around the same time Battlefront 2 came out and bombed hard no, at launch. No, it, it, it wasn't around the same time. It was, it was in the aftermath of it. It was the next Star Wars, um, next right, Star Wars game yep. out of the gate, I'm pretty sure. And everyone's like, oh boy, here we go. Microtransaction hell. Battlefront 2. Let's go, baby. And everyone's like, no, this is legitimately good. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, Re- Respawn's like, it's okay. You can trust us. <laughs> we, we know what people want. We, we held back the EA uh, suits as hard as we could, and we won. Yeah, and then EA's like, joke's on you, we're cancelling your next game. You make Apex Legends and you'd live with that. Mm. Uh, anyway, next uh, on the list, a fat update for PS5. Uh, 
actually just a, a dope ass update. Um, it's it's a beta, so it's not GA just yet, but looking to add Discord voice chat finally, uh, and VRR support for 1440p, as well as I think there's a few other quality of life fixes going into this thing as well. It's a pretty big update. Yeah, the the other quality of life stuff is like very minor things that I don't feel are worth talking about all that much. Nah, no but- no point. You can go read the list yourself. Um, yeah, but brought to VRR, you by 14, 40, VRR on 1440p is incredible. It needed to happen. And Discord. Um, yeah, and Discord. It's Discord is going to be a little funny in that um, you need to join a Discord voice chat through your phone first and, or like or the app. And then in that you go, hey, transfer me over to PlayStation 5 and then you can join in from the console. Um, they, they need to work on a way to make that a little smoother, but from what I've heard at <laughs> Xbox integration went through this similar sort of, um, learning curve and mm. PlayStation 5 version's just going to have to go through the same sort of thing. I mean, really, they should just take a step out of Nintendo's book where you have to join it on your phone and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> there is no step to, two. You have to get one of those, um, little adapters so you can plug in, um, you can plug into your phone and also plug into your Switch so that way you can hear both the game and the call audio through one set of <laughs> headphones. So stupid. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever actually tried to join or like use voice chat and Switch? No. No, I haven't either. I, I, I do I, not I know anyone who has. The only game that would have needed it is Splatoon and I don't... I had Splatoon 2 for a little bit, played the single player a little bit and then traded it in. That's fair. Uh, I feel like even though it's Splatoon, you'd still be getting the the old Call of Duty uh, lobby experience if you tried to join voice in that game. God, you're right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, no, because where we are, we'd just be paired up with the Japanese players that are killing it in Splatoon. <laughs> they join voice and they're just silent. Yeah, <laughs> silently demolishing us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, looking forward to that update. Should be good. Uh, good. Good time to own a PlayStation. Um, next up, I'm going to very briefly touch on this because it's Monster Hunter News and I'm trying to contain the absolutely huge erection I currently have, but um, Title Update 4 for Sunbreak is going to be launching uh, in a couple of days, 7th of February, yeah. and it is bringing with it Valkana. Valkana's back, the um, ice uh, face of... Um, Iceborne. It was Iceborne, eh? I was trying to think if it was in the base game as well, but yeah, Monster Hunter World, uh, Iceborne. Uh, yeah, it was so a Val- flagship monster for Iceborne. Valkana is back, uh, and as well as Risen Crimson Glow Valstrax, which I am absolutely terrified of. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of words together right next to Valstrax, uh, and, and all of it is spelling doom. <laughs> so, um, the Risen monsters just hit harder and just are stronger, but they also have a different armor set to their regular counterparts and so i in true i really need to find a better hobby fashion have a full risen set of all of the current risen elder dragons that are out and Velstrax is one that kind of slaps me around a bit so i don't know if i'll be able to get a full risen set without uh, a lot of retries and and some elbow grease that is quitter talk you got this thanks man uh, I can't wait for I can't wait for me to ask you for help where you join and then sprint straight into the monster and die. 
That listen, that that was specifically just for a Josh Hunt. <laughs> I'd never do that to a friend. <laughs> Based, <laughs> I love you. Um, we should get some strawberries later. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a few other things coming as well, but the the main the main things. Um, yeah, obviously there's like more event quests and layered armor and other bits and pieces. But the main things, Velkana's back and um, Risen Crimson Glow Velstrax. So you, you call uh, those the main things, but I think the real takeaway from this is that you can get a Velkana skin for your Palamut and ride around on that. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's fair. That's fair. That that is certainly a selling point. Um, but hopefully I will be able to talk through my thoughts or at least discuss my trauma. Um, possibly next, uh, next episode might be too soon in the next couple of weeks. I, I will hopefully play and survive, uh, this latest update and we'll, and we'll see, we'll see how we go. Um, I'm so far behind on this game, man. I, I haven't done it since the first update, since oh. before the first update, man, there, there is a lot of monsters for me to fight. Get on my back. Are there strawberries? <laughs> yes. Um, finally, in the in the news this week, we have. Uh, I actually don't know if this is sad news or not, but uh, E three is now missing. Um, I don't really know how to say this. Uh, a, a crucial component. Uh, the the main purpose of E three, if you will, uh, in that they they lost their reason to exist. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in that um, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo uh, are all skipping E3 this year uh, in favor of just doing their own thing, which I I actually don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I like when E3 is happening and everyone's there because it just makes a big chunk of time where it's like, here's all the gaming news and that's it for the next couple of months. You You know what's coming for the next few months just based on what everyone's talked about at E3. Hmm. But yeah, now fair. it now it just kind of spreads everyone out across the um the spring and summertime of the US. Yeah, I, I guess I'm more used to tracking E3 from what I hear from other people rather than watching it myself. Whereas um things like the like Nintendo Direct or um the other kind of first party shows that they do themselves, if it's something of interest to me, I will just go and watch that. So yeah, I, I, I guess you're right, but it's just never been... I've never really followed E3 for E3's sake. Yeah, I I did uh, for a few years. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, Actually, I, uh, I'll, I'll uh, change my tune a little bit on that. I am only saying that from not being able to go there. I think if I, if I attended E3 in person, I'd be really sad at this. But it's only because I've never been able to that I don't mind as much. Yeah, no, I liked it. I like watching the events happen live and having uh, phone calls with friends. Like for a few years, that was kind of like E3 is happening. I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning to catch the Microsoft events and talking with some friends. Of uh, me and one, my one other friend from New Zealand, who are both crazy and will watch Ubisoft event, will both watch it at five o'clock in the morning. And it's like. Why are we doing this to ourselves? It's Ubisoft. They have the worst conference. <laughs> but we need to see the new Assassin's Creed. It'll be the same <laughs> we, game, my man. <laughs> we we platinum's the Brotherhood together. We need to go through this pain. <laughs> um, yeah, now that's yeah, a true no, Brotherhood. Um, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo all skipping just kind of makes E3 feel hollow. It, it'll hollow be nice nights, if, perhaps. Quite <laughs> you. I'm still <laughs> waiting for Silk Song. Yeah, buddy. Um, the other publishers showing up there, if if hopefully will, um, 
get get Sega, get Konami if they ever decide to do video games again. Get, get Square Capcom Enix and they there. talk get about Square their Enix. latest NFT project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they still need to can their last one that got everyone excited that it was probably Parasite Eve and turned out not to be. Mm. They, um, um, they, they get Square Enix up there. They have two people present on what's going to, uh, like, what games they're going to announce. And then they realize that those aren't people from Square Enix. They're just random employees that have insider knowledge. You know what? The last time I remember Square Enix doing a event, it was actually really good because they had the... Endwalker trailer for Final Fantasy fourteen, and they did a big gameplay demonstration of uh, the Final Fantasy seven remake, and that was a really good year for them. Wish we'd have good years like that again. Yeah, I was going to say, how's the, how's the copium taste? Um, do you, do you get that, menthol flavor or? Now, now that for spoken is out, I can look forward to Final Fantasy sixteen and Final Fantasy seven remake part two. <laughs> And and potentially another fourteen expansion. Hmm. Uh, right. Well, uh, I think that takes us to the end of the news section. Uh, am I correct on that? I don't think there's any other links that I'm missing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I I was trying going to try and make a joke of sneaking one more in, but I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered looking if anything slipped under the radar. <laughs> uh, don't look too hard. Um, right. Well. Uh, I guess that does take us to the end of the news section uh, for this week. Um, no audience question this week. This is only half of us, which would basically be... <laughs> we, we are the last of us, and we don't want the last of the audience questions to, to go to only half the, half the hosts. So uh, it seems only fair that we wait for everyone to come back before we answer that. So I think we might just end up finishing episode 58 here, unless there's any final thoughts that you want to toss in there, Seth. No, I'm all good. I, I got that all out of my system. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I guess this brings us to the end of episode 58 for the Bus Triple Lounge. Uh, I've been Patrick. I've been joined by Seth. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. I'm not as funny as Stephen. I can't think of a happy birthday segment. Neither could I. I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>